Shalom. This is Ron Warren with Torah Life Ministries, and today's podcast is part two of Star Wars and the Bible, and it's called Star Wars, Genesis, and Revelation. In the last podcast, we have covered the Star Wars A New Hope with the books of Ezekiel and Revelation. To make sense of it, we must go back to the fourth Star Wars movie release, which yet bringing us back to the beginning, and that's The Phantom Menace. Genesis and Revelation opens and closes the Bible. Let's start. We looked at Genesis and the important and foundation, and we covered part of that foundation process in the last podcast. But let's go a little deeper. What are the most attacked books in the Bible? Genesis and Revelation, the first and the last. And sometimes this can come even, even from friendly fire within the church. Genesis is the beginning of God's revelation and introduces important themes such as the creation and the creator, man's domination on the earth, marriage, the deceiver and the fall of mankind, and given the first promise of a redeemer. This book would come under heavy attack by the enemy and its workers. Why? Because Genesis lays the foundation for the Word of God. Destroy the credibility of the book of Genesis, and you have placed a huge crack through the foundation of there being a creator God, of there being the institution of marriage between a man and a woman, of there being original sin, and of there being the need for a Savior. This is why the book of Genesis comes under such attack, especially from atheists and evolutionists. I know that. As an atheist, I used it. Being the first book of the Bible and the first to introduce these important themes, Genesis forms the foundation for the study of God's Word. Now, how important are these foundations? Psalm 11, verses 2 and 3 says, for behold, the wicked bend the bow, and they make ready the arrow upon the string to shoot in darkness at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? When the enemy takes aim, he also often goes for the foundations. As the scripture I just read says, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Now, Let's look at Revelation and the importance of hope. Revelation has also been attacked or, in many cases, just ignored. Satan hates Revelation. Why? Because it tells us how things end. It tells Satan how things end. And it provides a tremendous amount of hope for the believer. Why? Because it speaks of the blessed hope the return of Yeshua, the Messiah. It is the only book in all 66 books of the Bible where God has given a specific blessing for the reading and the keeping of its words. In fact, he gives it twice. In Revelations chapter 1, verse 3, it reads, Blessed is he who reads and does, uh, does who hears the word of this prophecy and keeps these things that are written in it for the time is near. 
And in Revelations chapter 22, verse 7, it says, And behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the word of the prophecy in this book. And here's the point. The word keep can also be translated from the New American Standard Version, heed. Now, think about what the prophecies mean and the implications for your life. What does it mean to you that Yeshua could come back soon? What does it mean to you that judgment upon the world is coming? What does it mean to you that there is a heaven and we will stand before the Son of Man? What does it mean to you that Yeshua, Jesus, returns with his rewards are with him? What does it mean to you that there is a new heaven and a new earth coming? There are reasons why there is a special blessing given to those that read this book. It ties the rest of the scripture to end together, providing a wonderful ultimate fulfillment of God's plan. And it gives a tremendous hope for the believer in what is to come. The best is yet to come. It also shows that God is in control. And when we read the book of Revelation, note how many times it speaks of the throne in heaven. The word throne is used 35 times. It also pictures God, even while there is judgment and chaos on earth, as sovereign and in total control. It also presents the Messiah in his glory as the King of kings, the Lord over all the earth. And it also focuses the believer on eternal matters, such as the scenes in heaven, the coming judgment, the new heaven, and the new earth. You'll find it listed in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Now, how does Genesis and Revelations parallel? You know, the books of Genesis and Revelations are the bookends to the Word of God. The book of Revelations is the sequel to the book of Genesis. In Genesis, we have the book of the beginning. In Revelation, we have the book of the end. They constitute the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the olive and the top of God's written word, the book of the beginnings and the book of unveilings. And the connection between Genesis and Revelation is so marked that it is necessary to show the likenesses and contrast in parallel positions. Revelation completes all that Genesis began and introduces the new creation. In Genesis, we have the primal creation and the history of the curse which came upon it. Revelations tell how that curse will be removed and the new creation brought in. In Genesis, we have the Satan's first revolt, and in Revelation, his final revolt. There must be the closest possible connection between the two books. They are joined together by God in a way that no man can put them, tear them apart. Here's how. God joined the Revelation to Genesis. Man joins it with the epistles. God has joined it with Jews, Gentile, and the earth. Man joins it with Christendom. God has joined it with what he had written in Genesis, and man joins it with what man has written himself in the body of the Messiah's history. Let's look at what I call the Genesis 
Revelation link. God's word forms a great golden circle of truth, beginning with Genesis, which is the book of beginnings, and going through the Testaments until we come to the glorious book of Revelation, the book of final things. And then it dovetails promptly back into the book of Genesis. And a comparison of Genesis and Revelations makes this plain, and it shows how we have the types in Genesis and the completion of the truth in Revelation. In one book, it is the beginning, and in the other, it's the ending. The Word of God is one absolutely perfect, unbroken, unbreakable circle. Consider this comparison. Genesis is the probationary world. Revelation is the internal world. Genesis is the book of the beginnings. Revelation, or the apocalypse, is the book of the end. Genesis is the book where the earth is created in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And in Revelations chapter 21, verse 1, the earth passes away. Genesis talks about Satan's first rebellion. In Revelations chapter 20, verses 3 and verses 7 to 10, it talks about Satan's final rebellion. In Genesis 1, verses 14 to 16, it talks about the sun, the moon, and the stars for earth's government. And in Revelations chapter 6, verse 13, chapter 8, verse 12, and chapter 16, verse 8, it talks about the sun, the moon, and stars and connects it to the earth's judgment. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 16, it talks about the sun to govern the day. And in uh, Revelations chapter 21, verse 23, it says there's no more need of the sun. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 5, it, the, the darkness was called night. And in Revelations chapter 22, verse 5, it says that there is no night there. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 5, he called the darkness, no, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 10, he called the waters seas. And in, in Revelations chapter 21, verse 1, he says there is no more seas. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 10 to 14, it talks about a river for earth's blessing. And in Revelations chapter 22, verses 1 and 2, it talks about a river for a new earth. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it talks about man in God's image. And in Revelations chapter 13, it talks about a man headed by one in Satan's image. In Genesis chapter 3, it talks about the entrance of sin. And in Revelations chapter 21, verse 22, it talks about the development of the end of sin. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 17, a curse is pronounced. And in Revelations chapter 22, verse 3, it says there's no more curse. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 19, it talks about death entered into the system. And in Revelations chapter 21, verse 4, it talks about no more death. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 24, it talks about the cherim, the first mention of this in connection with man. And in Revelation chapter 4, verse 6, it talks again about the cherubim finally, finally being mentioned in connection with man.
And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 24, it talks about man being driven out of Eden. And in, in Revelation chapter 22, man is restored. Is that all? Are you kidding? In, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 24, it talks about the tree of life being guarded. And in Revelations chapter 22, verse 14, it talks about the right to the tree of life. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, it talks about the sorrow and suffering entering into the system. And in Revelations chapter 21, verse 4, it says there's no more sorrow. In Genesis chapter 4, it talks about man's religion, art, and science resorted to for enjoyment apart from God. And in Revelations chapter 18, man's religion, luxury, art, and science is their full glory, judged, and destroyed by God. In, Reve in Genesis chapter 10, verses 8 and 9, it talks about Nimrod, the great rebel and the king and a hidden anti-God, the founder of Babylon. And in, in Revelations chapter 13, verse 18, it talks about the beast, the great rebel, and a king manifested anti-God and the reviver of Babylon. Are we finished? Are you kidding? In Genesis chapter 6, verse 6 to 9, it talks about a flood from God to destroy an evil generation. In Revelations chapter 12, it talks about a flood from Satan to destroy an elect generation. In Genesis chapter 9, verses 13, 14, and 16, it talks about the bow, the token of God's covenant with the earth. And in Revelations chapter 4, verse 3, and Revelations chapter 10, verse 1, it talks the bow, beholding God's remembrance of his covenant with the earth. In Genesis chapter 12, or Genesis chapter 10, verse 19, it talks about Sodom and Egypt, the place of corruption and temptation. And in Revelation 11, verses 8, it talks about Sodom and Egypt again, spiritually representing Jerusalem. In Genesis chapter 14, it talks about a confederacy against Abraham's people being overthrown. And in Revelations chapter 12, it talks about a confederacy against Abraham's seed being overthrown. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 to 23, it talks about the marriage of the first Adam. And in Revelations chapter 19, it talks about the marriage of the last Adam. In Genesis chapter 24, it talks about a bride being sought for Abraham's son Isaac and found was Rebekah. But in Revelation chapter 19 verse 9, it talks about a bride being made ready and brought to Abraham's son. You can also find that in Matthew chapter 1 verse 1. In Genesis chapter 19, it talks about two angels acting for God in behalf of his people. In Revelation chapter 11, it talks about two witnesses acting for God on behalf of its people. In Genesis chapter 22, verses 17, it talks about a promised seed to possess the gate of his enemies. In Revelation chapter 11, verse 18, it talks about the promised seed coming into possession. Are we done? Are you kidding? In Genesis chapter 3, verse 24, 
man, it talks about man's dominion ceased and Satan began. In Revelations chapter 22, Satan's dominion is ended and man restored. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 1, it talks about the old serpent causing sin, suffering, and death. And in Revelations chapter 20 verses 1 and 3, it talks about that old serpent bound for a thousand years. And in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, it talks about the doom of the old serpent pronounced. And in Revelations chapter 20 verse 10, the doom of the old serpent is executed. And in, in Genesis chapter 37, verses 9, it talks about the sun, the moon, and the stars associated with Israel. And in Revelation chapter 12, it talks about the sun, the moon, and stars again associated with Israel. After looking at these parables, it shows that God is consistent from the Tanakh, which is the Old Testament, and the Brit Hadashah, which is the New Testament, and it's reassuring to us. Why? Because God has a plan. Now, what does this tell us? Four things. It's an additional confirmation of the canon of Scripture. Number two, this parallelism really isn't arbitrary or random. Number three, there is a purpose behind these books. And number four, the canon of Scripture is complete from Genesis to Revelation. Now, Genesis and Revelation fit together like a hand in a glove. They go together like a knife and a fork. They go together like salt and pepper. Why? Because they have the same author. That's because through written, although, although written approximately 1,500 years apart, they do. Why? Because both are God-breathed, according to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It's saying that there was a plan right from the beginning and coming into fulfillment in Revelation. And that's because God has a plan. You know, we could not lead these two podcasts without talking about the Force. Obi-Wan described the Force as universally accessible, at least in theory. It binds us. He described it as, the Force is what make, gives the Jedi its power, and it's the energy field created by all living beings, and it surrounds us and penetrates us, and it binds the galaxy together. Luke in The Last Jedi tells Rey that the Force is an energy between all things, a tension, a balance that binds the universe together. And in The Empire Strikes Back, all you needed to do was to train hard, and there would be no stated reason why anyone could not become a Jedi. Question. How would you describe the Force? Another question. Is the force just passed from one generation to another, or is it outside of the generation and everywhere? Consider this. Anakin Skywalker came from nothing. He and his mother were slaves, and at that time, the Jedi was an elite, remote order. Anakin goes over to the dark side and becomes Darth Vader. Darth Vader becomes the father of Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia. Han Solo and Princess Leia get married and have a son named Ben Solo. Ben Solo crosses over to the dark side. Is the Force connected to just certain families? The answer 
depends on Ray. In The Force Awakens, Ray comes from nowhere, whose parents sold her and left, never to return. Ray broke the mode and became the first fighting female Jedi, and in the movie The Last Jedi became, became Ray's walk as a Jedi. This also answers the question about the Force. The Force can be a metaphor for God, but the Force is not God. It is not a judge of good or evil. It deals with creation of mortals, not a higher power watching over them. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 29, it reads, Look now, I am, and there is no other God besides me. I myself cause death, and I sustain life. I wound severely, and I also heal, and from my power no one can deliver. Now, as we train to the good side, God becomes stronger in us, and as that happens, we become more humble in his presence. Two questions. Is God the force in you? And if he is, how does God's power change you? Shalom. Until the next podcast. If this teaching has been a blessing to you, and you might consider subscribing to Anchor Podcast Platform and to our Life Ministries website. You can do this at www.torlifeministry.com. And until then, Ron has left the building.